We started a, a series a couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, famous verses from the Bible. And we started in the New Testament, which was John 3.16, of course, hands down. And then we went uh, to the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1, hands down. And so we're preaching famous verses out of the New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament. And so we're back in the New Testament. And I want to draw your attention to one of the most famous verses in the Bible, it's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Those two verses kind of go together. Romans chapter 8, the last two verses. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I draw your attention to what the love of God does for us in verse 37. Nay, in all these things, no matter what comes our way, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want to use for a subject tonight, more than conquerors. May be seated. We are more than conquerors. I kind of teasingly shared several months back that a more than a conqueror was someone, you know, the wife, she stands at the house, the man goes out and makes the paycheck, and then after, when the man gets home with his paycheck, he hands it to his wife. Well, the husband conquered the paycheck, but his wife took the check, and she was more than a conqueror. We, you know, we, we use that terminology, and, and of course, you know, in, in some aspects that's true. Jesus Christ uh, gave us the victory, and we just reach out and receive it by faith in Christ. But there's been a lot of misunderstanding about what a more than conqueror Christian is. And I want to clear up the, the confusion concerning about what a more than conqueror Christian is. I think so many times we've misinterpreted the scripture and we have used this verse more than conquerors uh, in Christ as kind of showing that we always, you know, we always win the battle. We always come through. We always are on top side. The only problem with that is, is we're not always on top side and we don't always win the battles. In the end, we are going to be blameless before God the Father. In the end, we are going to be more than conquerors. But how many would like to live a life on the earth which you would be considered more than a conqueror? I want to live that kind of life that I'm considered more than a conqueror. And I just have two simple little thoughts tonight. And the first thought I want to share is we are more than conquerors because we don't give up. Listen to me. We are more than conquerors because we don't, as Christians, as born again, genuine, bona fide, Holy Ghost-filled Christians, we are more than conquerors because we don't give up. The second point I want to point out is we are more than conquerors because God doesn't give up. And when you got yourself not giving up and got God never giving up, 
we can never lose. Amen? And so I want to explain, explain some things. We're told in Romans 8, verse 16, that the Spirit of God bears witness with us that we are the children of God. When I got my life forgiven and I came in the presence of God, the Spirit itself, not the preacher, not the deacon board, not the church, but the Holy Ghost himself bore witness with me that I was that I am a child of God, that we are the children of God. See, it's not enough for the preacher to say you're saved because he doesn't know. I happen to know most preachers are not bright enough to know all that stuff. He doesn't know. The only one person in this room knows whether you're saved or lost, and that is the Holy Ghost, and he has to impress in your spirit that you are saved. And once the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, whoo, look out, nothing can stop us because we are saturated with the love of God. There are several things that I want to point out concerning this beautiful, famous scripture that we are, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. The Bible says, for I am persuaded that nothing, not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present, nor things to come, not height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That love is granted to us in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That love is instilled in our hearts by the person of Jesus Christ, because God loved us first, we love him because he first loved us. Notice it says in verse 39 that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. His love for us is for all of us. God's love for us is for all of us. And if you know anything about real, powerful, embedded love, like a mother, a father, like a a husband, a wife, a real, genuine, embedded love. You know that death cannot stop that. You know that nothing in life can stop that because love has a power that is far greater than anything planet Earth has, the love of Christ, the love of God. We are more than conquerors because we don't give up. Verse 31 says in chapter 8, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I love that verse. I love the fact that if God be for and God is for us, God is on our side. The moment we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus Christ and believe him for his justification, for his redemption, God is on our side. And when I say, well, God's on your side when, when you're a pre-believer. No, he's not. The truth is, there are churches around that want to, they don't want to say you're lost. They just want to say you're a pre-believer. Now, you will be saved someday, called a pre-believer. I think we need to get back to real believers, not pre-believers. I remember the life I lived before I was saved, pre-believing, uh, being a pre-believer was not good on my side. Hello? And so 
the scripture is very clear that once we come to Christ, that we become joint with God. We join heirs with God. We become heirs of Christ. The blessing of God begins to permeate in our life. And once God wraps his eternal, everlasting, powerful arms around us in the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus, once God wraps his arms around us in the person of Jesus Christ, there isn't anything, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm, I'm going to get a little heavy on you. Uh, tonight, because it's important that we understand this. The Bible says in verse 32 that he that spared not his own son, speaking of Jesus, God spared not his own son, but, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Did you know God has some free stuff he wants to give you? He wants to give you confidence. He wants you to be persuaded that nothing will separate you from the love of God. Notice it says... Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. I love that. God justifies. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's three things about this verse. The first thing you, I want you to see about this verse is you, no one can condemn you. Oh, they may condemn you, but it doesn't carry weight in the sight of God. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Second thing, Christ died. Third, he rose again from the grave. The fourth thing is he makes intercession for you and I. That, that verse is packed full. Verse 34 says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. I'm saved because of Christ, who is even at the right hand of God. The Bible says he raised again from the dead, that is, risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So God didn't just die for us. Jesus Christ didn't just die for us. Jesus Christ didn't just not condemn us. Jesus Christ justified us. He refused to condemn us. And Jesus Christ took our hell, took our condemnation, took our sin, and he died on the cross of Calvary for you and I, rose again from the grave, and he didn't just leave us there. He went to heaven, sit down by the Father. He's having a talk with the Father right now about your honorary living. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? God, Jesus Christ sits by the Father. And when the Father looks down and the Father starts to rumble a little bit, he starts to get frustrated a little bit, Jesus says, hold on, hold on, Father. I paid for that. I took their sin. Now, I want to help you understand what more than a conqueror is. It's important that you understand what more than a conqueror is. And let me just kind of express it this way. A conqueror is someone who leaves the battle and has won. A conqueror is someone that has left the battle and has won. A conqueror is one that has won. 
But more than a conqueror is one that still praises God, still serves God, still in the heat of battle, still when troubles are going on, the one that still loves, honors God, even in the battle, even though the victory's not been won, we are more than conquerors because we don't give up. Isn't that good? We don't give up. It's that wonderful love of God shed abroad in our hearts that we don't give up. Let me point out some things in verse 37. Verse 37, there are actually seven. If you connect verse 34, who is he that condemneth? There, there would be eight, condemnation being one. But seven things that, that God shows us that will not separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. These seven things will challenge God's love. Not only will these seven things challenge God's love, but these seven things will challenge our love for God. Let me show them to you. Condemnation, you can connect that to verse 34. This would be the eighth thing, but there's seven things in verse 35. When people try to condemn us and try to bring blame toward us, that doesn't carry any weight with the throne of God because it is Christ that died. It is Christ that paid the price. So many times we as Christians, we don't need someone to condemn us. We do a good job ourselves. We walk in condemnation. We walk thinking that we're unworthy. Well, tell me something else I don't know. None of us are worthy but Jesus Christ loved us so much that he took care of our sin. Let me give you these seven things that will try to challenge or try to conquer the love of God. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He, he, he named seven things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, peril or sword, meaning war or great bloodshed. So he says, here are seven things that will challenge God's love, and these seven things will also challenge your love for God. Why the list? Why did God give us a list? And, and how many know that verse uh, 35 is a list? It's just a list. And in this list, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation. I mean, know that that applies to the day we live today, tribulation. Tribulation problems, great upheaving will challenge your faith and will challenge your love. In fact, you also, God, how many know sometimes we feel like that, well, we, we have this spirit, where's God? Where'd he go? If God loves me, why the silence? Well, let me say this right now. The silence of God doesn't mean God doesn't love you. The times of tribulation. We, we have spoiled, rotten Christians today. Hello, heavy on the rotten. Spoiled, rotten Christians. You say, well, preacher, would you define what a spoiled, rotten Christian is? A spoiled, rotten Christian is one who thinks God owes them everything. 
A spoiled, rotten Christian is one who thinks if God doesn't give them everything they ask or everything they want, and if they go through a hard time, for some reason, it's God's fault. That's a spoiled, rotten Christian. Hello. Now, don't look at me like little angels because you're not. And you got your little wings folded in trying to hide them. You ain't got no wings. You better rub your head and see if something else is coming up. But here's the truth. Everyone in this room, including myself, have at times thought, okay, God, if you really loved me, I would not be going through this. If you really cared for me, I would not be going through this. See, we judge what's happening around us according to God's love or according to our love for him. Listen, if we only love God when things are going good, then we're spoiled, rotten Christians. Amen? I love the story about the, the little bird that he's, it's raining. I mean, it's storming, raining, and that little bird is on this fence post, and he's just soaking wet, and somebody pulls up in a car to the intersection and threw out a bologna sandwich. The little bird flew down and began to eat that bologna sandwich, and the car had already drove off, and the little bird eat it up, and about that time, the sun came out. The clouds scattered. Sun shined upon that little bird. Little bird got up on the fence post, started chirping and singing. Woo! It was such a happy little bird. About that time, a chicken hawk swoops down, whoa, and grabs that little bird, flies off in the sky, gonna eat that little bird, and the little bird shouted out as he was going in the, in the, in the tongs of that, uh, that chicken hawk. That just goes to show you, when you're full of baloney, keep your mouth shut. Now, there are way too many people that's full of baloney. Hello? Because what happens is we get this mentality that if you're not everything going good, then there's something wrong with us. Or if someone... If you see someone, they're going through a hard time, and you think, oh, there's something wrong with them. That's nonsense. Because the love of God encamps about eternity. The love of God doesn't take in one little thimble of your life. It takes in the ocean of your life, the love of God. He says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, someone really hammering, coming against us, famine, starvation, nakedness, that would be cold without coats, without clothing, peril, that, would, that leads to, to the thought of being lost in sea without any way of being rescued in the cold, bitter, choppy waters of the cold ocean waters. Or sword would be murder or war. And he says, none of these things shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I mean, we'd agree that's pretty good stuff. Now, I want you to notice something. This is where it's going to get a little sticky, but I want you to notice something. He says, nobody can condemn us because it's Christ who died, rose again from the grave, stands at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Verse 34, no one can condemn us because we are justified in the presence of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He lists seven things. You can take eight if you include condemnation. Who shall separate us from 
the love of Christ, and he lists seven, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Now, this is where it's going to get a little bit heavy humidity in the building. Wait. Notice none of these seven things is sin. Not one of these seven things that is listed is sin. Oh, I guess if you have a sword, you're killing people, that'd be their sin. But as a victim, you're, that's not sin. Uh, people accusing you, condemnation, that's not sin. They're sinning, but you're not. Tribulation is not sin. Distress is not sin. Persecution is not sin. Famine is not sin. Nakedness is not sin. Peril is not sin. Sword is not sin. But I want you to notice something that weighs heavy on my spirit. And that is, though nothing shall separate us from the love of God, and though nothing shall ever be able to sever God's love from us, I want to say this without apology. Your sin and my sin can grieve the love of God. Your sin and my sin can quench the love of God. Your sin, my sin, the things that you do wrong can, can, can uh, grieve the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, grieve the love of God. And though God's love doesn't stop loving us, even when we sin because we're born-again Christians, in fact, God's love so awesome that he died on the cross even when we were enemies of God, even when we were full of sin. But there's a warning in the last uh, chapter one. In fact, Jude only has one chapter. You can pick whatever chapter you want. But Jude is a, is a verse before great tribulation for the great book of Revelation. And Jude talks about the love of God. In verse 21, this is what Jude talks about. By the way, Jude talks about ungodly them, ungodly that, and ungodly deeds, and ungodly that, ungodly that. But then Jude talks about verse 21. Keep yourselves in love. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, that verse carries a tremendous amount of weight. Though sin will not sever us from the love of God, it will keep us from Jesus Christ saving us if we're not saved. Sin will keep us from God's redemptive plan if we're not born again. But once we're born again, there is a higher plateau in which we live, and the Holy Spirit moves upon us, and we are to live a life in such a way that we do not hinder God's love. It's almost like we, God showers blessings upon us and we put an umbrella up and we don't allow the blessings to fall on us. It's kind of like uh, a teenager rebelling against his parents and yet the parents love them so much but yet the teenager or the one that has left the family will not allow the family and the, and the parents to love them. Doesn't mean that the parents stop loving. Doesn't mean that the loved ones stop loving. It just means that they put themselves in a position where they could not benefit from the boundaries of God's love. And so Jude is telling us, stay in the boundaries of God's love. 
The book of Jude is basically saying, keep yourselves in love with God. Well, how do you keep yourself in love with God? Keep your nose out of the world. Good start. Hello. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Now, you'll always be in the love of God because God loves you. You might stop loving God, but God will never stop loving you. Hello. You may, you may get sideways with God, but God will never get sideways in the fact that he stops loving you. God will always love you. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's beautiful, isn't it? So the Bible says we're to keep ourselves in love with God. There are people that get, in, they get caught up in the world. They get busy making money. They get busy doing things, and they don't have time for church. Or they don't have time to live for God. And they've truly been saved. At one time, they gave their life to Christ. But they've allowed the cares of the world, the things of the world, to drift them away from God's love. And they themselves have really stopped loving God. I've met people tell me when they were still drunk. I've had people tell me when they were high on drugs. I've had people tell me when they were really full of sin and they were living in wickedness to say, preacher, you know I love God. And I always look at them and say, no, I don't. I don't know that you love God. And so just to say you love God doesn't mean you love God. And I would venture to say if people do not live for God, they don't love God. They maybe believe in him, maybe have some reverence toward him, but if they don't serve God, honor God, they do not love God. They may have loved God prior. They may have loved God one time or another in their life, but you can allow your love to be displaced. Your love can be shifted to the world. Your love can be shifted to pleasures of the flesh. Your love can be shifted away from God. You can leave your first love. So Revelation chapter 2 says, Ephesus, you have left your first love. Didn't lose it, left it. You intentionally went away. And so we leave God's love because we get distracted from giving God first place. And though we leave God's love, God never stops loving us. Hello. Now, I'm convinced that God will move upon his children and he will stimulate you to return to your first love. I believe that. How many, how many of you have ever been stimulated by God? Sometimes that ain't fun at all, but he will stimulate you to return to God's love. We are more than conquerors because God doesn't give up on us. I said, we are more than conquerors because God doesn't give up on us. Now, does sin cause God to stop loving us? No, it didn't stop him from loving you before you were saved. God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus. Does sin stop God from loving? No, but it stops you from loving him. It stops you from honoring him. But the truth is, once Jesus Christ puts that embedded presence of the Spirit of God in you, remember? The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. You're the ch ch children of God. Remember, once God puts that Spirit in you, there comes a place where you have to say, I'm more than a conqueror because God doesn't give up. 
And you have to say, I am more than conquerors because we don't give up. You say, well, you just said sometimes people give up. They do. But let's remember that God has the last say. And let's remember that God knows how to bring us around. That's what the whole eighth chapter of Romans is all about. It's about God's ability to save you even when you're rebellious. The whole eighth chapter is about God's ability to keep you even when you're not very keepable. The whole eighth chapter is about God's magnificent power to come to you in the person of Jesus Christ, save you from your sins, give you eternal life, and move upon your spirit. I want to say tonight that the reason God gave us a list was to show us that in that list, none of those are listed as sin. They were not sins. They were tribulation, persecution, peril, sword, etc. But we need to remember this one thing. Something may stop you from loving God, but nothing can stop God from loving you. God always loves you, no matter how you feel. God cares about you, no matter what you've done. Whether you feel God or don't feel God. Whether you're going to a tribulation or a storm or not going to a tribulation or storm. The love of God is solid as the bedrock of the eternal foundation of creation. God loves you and he does it to the person of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ that God, through him, made contact with you and I. God made contact with you and I through his son, Jesus Christ. And on that cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ died, buried in a grave, rose again from the dead, sits down at the Father's right hand. And through Jesus Christ, we now are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we conquer Sometimes we battle a battle with maybe pneumonia or sickness, and God heals us, and whoo, we're conquerors. Sometimes we have a sickness in our body, and God saves us, cleanses us, and we're conquerors. We're healed. We're conquerors. But if you want to really be more than a conqueror, you got to learn to quit whining when things are going wrong. you got to learn to trust God even when maybe you lose a loved one in death. You've got to learn to trust God even when a child is sick and maybe you lose a child in sickness. You've got to learn in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of storm, in the midst of all kinds of heartbreak, in the midst of storms and trials, you need to remember that a more than conqueror is someone that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. A more than a conqueror is someone that says, I'll serve God come hell or high water. I'll honor God no matter what happens in my life. I'll turn to God no matter what happens. I don't understand what happened yesterday. I don't understand why I lost this loved one. I don't understand why I have this sickness. I don't understand why I'm going through this trouble. I don't understand why I'm going through this trial. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you. What it means is God is testing God is testing your love. 
Amen? If every morning I got up and Judy had a big long list on the table, things for me to do. And she said, as she made this big long list every morning for me to do, at the bottom of that list it says, if you don't do these things, you don't love me. Well, I try a lot to do those things, but how many know Judy's theology is all messed up? (laughs) Because I love her without a list. Hello? In fact, I love her more if she don't make me paint and clean and do all those things. But I just want to say to everyone in this room, maybe you don't understand. You know, I had a brother die at 23. Barbara knows what a tragedy it was. I watched my mom and dad just constant torment. 23 years old, mom couldn't let him go. We had him in the hospital for, oh, I don't know, five, six weeks. He was brain dead. But mom and dad and the family refused to listen to the doctors to disconnect him. Till finally, they disconnected him. Galen, my oldest, uh, my older brother, we named my oldest son Galen after him. Twenty-three years old, and I remember Mom taking him to Adam's funeral home. The old Adams. Let me remember the old Adams. Barbara does the old Adams. I mean, Adams Jr. looks just like the old Adams. Amen? I mean, I walked into the lobby one time when Dean Adams, and by, they had the same name, and walked into the, Dean Adams, and, and I looked at Dean, I said, huh, you're still alive? They look exactly alike. But I remember when the older Adams said to Mom, because Galen had been in the casket for two weeks, and the older Adams said to Mom, Missy, you've got to do something about this boy because we've got to bury him because he's not, you know, he's deteriorating. And mom tried her best to refuse, but finally she had to submit to that. That was a great test on our family. It's a great pressure on our family. But I can tell you right now, the Aikens family is more than conquerors. You can move on with your tragedy. You can move on with your storm. You can move on in your hard problems. You can move on in your tribulation. Because God wants you to not just be a conqueror. Praise the Lord, I got healed. Praise the Lord, I got through the battle. Praise the Lord, I got a new car. Praise the Lord, I got blessing. Praise the Lord, I've got good health. Praise the Lord, everything's going well. Yes, that's, more, that's a conqueror. But if you want to be more than a conqueror, you've got to be able to say, praise the Lord, I drive a piece of junk. <laughs> praise the Lord, I had a flat on the way to church. Praise the Lord, in the midst of my storm, Because I know when the battle is over, no matter how many casualties in that battle, I know when the battle's over, God loves me, and he loves my family, and he loves my 
loved ones. And in the end, everything's going to be all right. That's why this verse is one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You know, when you first read that, you think, okay, it means that when we conquer, we're blessed. And, And what does it mean to be more than a conqueror? And the truth is, that interpretation most of the church has is all wrong. We, it's all wrong when you got all you got is every Sunday morning fresh cut flowers for everybody, sweetheart and, and cotton candy and everything. It's not always that way. I hate to say this, but we are living in a world that is upside down, full of wicked people, full of disease, full of heartbreak, full of storms. And the truth is, we'll have our victories along the way. God will heal us. God will touch us. God will do great things. And we are conquerors when that happens through the person of Jesus Christ. But if you want to be more than a conqueror, you've got to be someone that says, okay, I refuse to give up. I will not give up. And I will not stop loving my God. I will not judge God's love according to how I feel tomorrow. I will judge God's love according to what the Bible says. God loves me in Jesus Christ. I'll close with this statement. If God never did another thing for me, if God never did another thing for you, if your life went haywire and my life was to go haywire and God didn't do another thing for us, the fact that his son laid down on that cruel cross, took nail in his hands and his feet, was beaten beyond recognition by a scourge, hung on the cross and died for my sin, took my hell, took my shame, took my death. He was put in a grave. He rose again from the grave. He ascends back to the Father. He sits with God the Father right now. And that spirit in me bears witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. I'm the children of God. I have to say today, if God never does another thing for me, but what he did on the cross of Calvary and what he did in that empty tomb and what he did to return back to the Father, that's enough for me to love God and serve God and never, ever give up. Amen. Josh going to come bring a song. Now you see why that verse is so popular. <clears throat> it's very popular. And there'll be storms. Sin will try to <clears throat> separate us from the love of God, but it can't on God's side. But we can allow it to hinder God's love for us. And that's why we need to keep ourselves in love, in the love of God. Isn't that beautiful? Love God. Hallelujah. Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. God so loved us. God loved us. The Bible says His love is for us. That is all of us. His love is for us. And that is all of us. He loves you. He loves you. And when it's all said and done, you're going to fall on your face in the sea of glass at the feet of Jesus. And you're going to say to Jesus, I'm so glad I trusted you. 
I'm so glad I trusted you. Because, yeah, the world's unfair. But God's love is real. And, it, and we can't judge his love by what happens around us. We've got to look at his love by what Jesus did for us and the promises that God has made to us in his soon return. Isn't that good? Josh, go ahead.